1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host Molly DeVos, and today I have with me none other than Jackson Galaxy. Welcome back to the show, Jackson.
2: None other. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and Molly's good to see you. Of
1: course, every cat enthusiast in the world knows who you are. It's no no introduction needed, right?
2: I, and, and and it's I well thank you for saying that. I. uh I feel like over the past couple of years and not having the space to see people face to face, it's it's weird, you, you forget.
1: Yeah, so thank you. It is. And, and so the number one question is what is Jackson doing now? So are, is My Cap From Hell still on or what's going on there?
2: It, it lives on in constant reruns, but no, we, the last episode that we did was right after the pandemic started. We did sort of a pandemic episode where the whole thing was like this. It was just completely remote. Uh, it was odd. We filmed here in the house, and which I was always a little wary of. And uh, um, and it went, it went fine. It just that was it. I mean, we we really just felt like that format. That took us ten seasons, actually. Wow. Uh, was just you know, done. So it's been, that was weird for a minute. Cause I spent so much of my life shooting that show, as you know, uh, shooting that show cause you were on it. Um, but, uh, um, yeah. And then it came down to sort of rearranging priorities and figuring out how to navigate my work through the pandemic. Um, and we talked before about how hard it is to do the work that we do, and not be able to have that face-to-face, family-to-family experience of being in their homes. And so I started doing virtual consults, and it took some getting used to, uh, but it's 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 been good. It's been good. You know, there's still some help to give. Um, I've been leaning into YouTube. We've, we've really kicked up our YouTube presence um, a lot, and it's been a great way. Actually, to me, it's even better than the experience with the show in a way because it's immediate. You do the things that people are asking you to do. We have full control editorially and visually and vibe-wise that maybe we didn't have with, with the show. And, uh, yeah, so we've been doing a lot of that. I've been able to lean into uh, the work with Jackson Galaxy Project, which is something that um, was always sort of competing for time, the work I do with Greater Good. So we were able to really start to do some really cool work uh, around that and writing a new book. So okay.
1: What's your book going to be about? Yeah, it's a bunch.
2: <laughs> the book, you know, it's it's in its sort of Stage where I'm writing too much and just trying to get a feel for it, but the idea is um, finding ways to, in an organic way, to celebrate cats in a way that it. I mean, it's 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 sort of a personal journey story. It you know, after all of these sort of books where it's very directly putting it out to the world, this is sort of returning to me as what I was before I ever started this whole thing, which is a writer and just getting my mojo back as a writer. And at the same time, acknowledging that in a time of social separation and and isolation and still doing our work with fosters and, and, and whatnot, that it was hard. And I don't know if you've been through this before, but it, it was hard not to, and because you deal with, with cats in, in um, quantity, you know, working for uh, for shelters that you know what I'm talking about, where there comes this moment where it just becomes work that you've lost that almost primal connection that you feel to these particular animals and about the relationship you have to each one of them. And suddenly you're just doing so much it's just work. And I wanted to go and, and rediscover that and rediscover the thing that made me obsessed you know it's been 30 years you know yeah. there comes a moment you know yeah. but it was really like it was horrifying to me to think for a second that you know maybe I've done what I can do and I need to find something else with my life because I don't feel vital and I don't feel connected and I don't feel like I'm doing each individual animal that's passing through my house as a foster justice and um and and then yeah looking outside of me looking at, at different things that have gone on in the world that reaffirm and you know so that's kind of what the book is about
1: well i can't wait to read that I because I think you're, you know people <laughs> tell me all the time you you should write a book and i'm like what the hell am i going to write about because like between jackson and and pam johnson like all the good cat behavior stuff's already been said, you know. So I, I don't—I don't really feel like I need to contribute in that way. So I'm looking for a topic that nobody's done before, you know, in in that cat behavior, of course, arena. And uh, so, yeah, I've been kicking that around too. But but like making space in life right now to write a book—it just I just laugh because
2: it's ridiculous to to think about. I mean, I'm somebody who likes to work too much. Like I don't carve out enough time for quiet, but when I do get those moments of quiet, I just make it available in my head. And sometimes all of a sudden it just happens, but you gotta be able to create that headspace, and yeah. it's really hard. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. Yeah. But, you know, I remember that, and I, again, I think that this is a common feeling for everybody when we were locked down for a while, which is, wow, where's the joy in my life? Yeah. And if you don't have that sense of like, I'm connected, there's a connection that I have to whatever the source is in your life, that without it, I'm just blown in the wind. And um, for me, writing is that thing, you know, playing music is that thing. And of course, spending quality time here with with my wife and and my animals has to be a good thing. So yeah. Tough man. It's tough to find that space.
1: It is. And it and as you saw I mean, I can relate to how you're feeling because I do see so many cats in the shelter. I mean, a lot of cats. (laughs) And and you know, the volunteers will email me and say, well. How is this cat doing in its barn cat placement or something like that? Can you reach out and follow up? And I'm like, first of all, I, I, I'm I'm finding that I'm having trouble remembering. Once the individual cats are placed, safe, rehabilitated, no longer on the behavior radar, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. And I feel I feel a little bad about that sometimes, you know, because I think I I used to just really stay connected with these cats but then I didn't have so many you know that I was dealing with so yeah behavior cats and the shelter cats and the foster cats and it's just yeah it can it can really get overwhelming it really can
2: I think that one of the things that I found that really again speaks back to that connection to source for me is I started this whole journey as a shelter worker it's always stayed with me JGP at uh, Jackson Galaxy Project, as you know, like is about that dual connection. Mm-hmm. And I really, you know, the stuff I'm working on now is about, as opposed to just, which I'll never give up, but one cat at a time. Yeah. It's about who can we pass this on to mm-hmm. who feels empowered enough to do the work that we don't either have time or bandwidth to do. And which also makes people feel vital. It makes them feel like they truly got something to contribute and it keeps our work going after we can't do it anymore.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so Absolutely.
2: that's been really great to reconnect and, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, the work I'm doing shelter wise, you know, planning some stuff that I really do think will, will make me feel like i contributed in a a larger way. Because, yeah, we can't do it. I mean, I just want the space for connection with individuals, human and animal, and then to feel like we're we're contributing in a wider sense. I mean, you're dealing with one of the singular largest uh, shelters in the United States, let alone municipalities.
1: Yeah. Yeah well Dallas has actually gotten things pretty much under control since they're returning to home all stray community cats that come in so really all we're dealing with there are owner surrenders and that's a a much more manageable number you know Albuquerque on the other hand we're temperament testing for return to field cats so you know we're not quite there yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh,
1: not, yeah, so there's a lot of cats. I mean, I think there's over 300 cats in inventory at that shelter, which is just an insane number. And uh, if you look at
2: the great thing about return to shelter, at this, I mean, return to field at this point is that there is Dallas great example, but every municipality who has embraced it has seen their live release numbers go pfft, and mm-hmm. you know their euthanasia rates go down everybody and dramatically yeah. um so there comes this point where you as a municipality you have to go why are we doing this yeah you know?
1: exactly and you know and albuquerque really doesn't euthanize a lot of cats but they're warehousing them and it just kills me i'm thinking is this cat happier in this two by four box or is it happier being back where it came from when you found it, you know? And yeah. I think that answer is simple. That cat is much happier being, you know, even if it's an indoor outdoor cat, that not every cat can, can have an indoor home and, and be the kind of cat you or I would raise, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah, right. I, I think so. that understand, you know, what's, what's funny is that, and of course I am, for everybody who works with me or who adopts <laughs> through us or does whatever, I'm pretty hardcore about keeping your cats in. But if you look outside of our culture and you go most anyplace else in the world, they think we're crazy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know. <laughs>
2: it's a cultural thing. And, and I think that, that depending, I've, I've been in countries before that you would, or I would look at and go, oh my God, that that's not okay. But it's the way they define, okay. And then we can sort of tweak it. But I, I think that the recognition in general, the community cats are just that, that uh, as long as we maintain the colonies, TNR everybody, make sure they've got warm housing, make sure that we are, there are two different ways of loving cats, right? They're the ones within your four walls, they're the ones that are out there, but we can show love to both of them. Right. And I think that that, is a long way from being completely embraced but at least we have a simple message to put out there you know
1: yeah yeah exactly we were talking about um remote consults before we we got on the show and uh, and it is I, I i agree with you i when covid started and we couldn't do consults in homes i i was just like i you know how am i going to pick up on the energy that's going on in the house how am i just going to see that cat moving in its natural environment and doing what it does and how is it going to react to a stranger coming in the home you know all those things that are just important to to right. see when you're there but um but i've gotten much more comfortable with it um much more comfortable and and do consults i guess you do all over the all over the nation so Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: you got to keep your mind, or I'm talking to me at this point, (laughs) you got to sort of keep your mind on, okay, what is the benefit versus me digging my heels in and saying I will never do remote consoles because I was there, you know, where I just, I didn't feel like I could give my, I'm not like a, I'm not like a scientist, I'm not, I'm not that kind of behavior specialist i rely a lot on the individual cat themselves and how i interact with them and in turn the family dynamic because we are just as much family therapists in a way as anything else and not being able to be there in the room is hard work man but i have seen payoff i have seen um because, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but, but there was very specific challenges relationship-wise and behavior-wise that were unique to the pandemic mm-hmm. and people being home a whole lot more and what that meant. And also adopting new animals or fostering animals, which is, we saw a dramatic rise in. And so that, there were challenges. And so, you know, us being able to do remote meant that these animals stayed in their homes and stayed happy. So more yeah. yeah.
1: And now and now I got one for you. I had of course asking behavior consult questions is I, I know silly because you can't have all the information. But you actually referred a lady to me in Dallas that was having trouble integrating our cats. And and the long and short of it is she's got a 19 year old cat and a Probably 10, 11 year old cat that's having some health issues, and then a two year old cat. And of course, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, mm hmm. And so she's been trying to integrate these cats forever. And, and they did a really good job visual barrier door, cats in there, all of that. But the two year old is an overstimulated cat, just in general, even without the other two cats. But, you know, one of those guys that'll, get all overstimulated and then, ah, you know, kind of lash out, even at the people. And, and uh, so they've been doing lots of prey play, play, lots of trying to distract him, diffuse that energy, that kind of thing. But he just insists when he sees those other two cats on, you know, tackling them because he's two <laughs> and, yeah. and that's what he does. And, you know, I, I, I finally gotten to the point with her where I've said, I, I think we need to manage your expectations because, you're not going to make your two-year-old cat without that enthusiasm and wanting to rough and tumble with the other cats. That's what he wants to do. You know, it's, I don't really think it's a territorial thing. I think it's just, I'm a young over stimulated cat and Oh, there's something moving. I'm going to go get it. And so sadly, you know, I, I, I told him, I I think you're probably going to have to manage space in the house and that these cats probably will have to live, you know, separately, or at least through a visual barrier, until he ages, they pass. I mean, they can't live that much longer at 19 and and 10 with health issues. But do you run into that mismatched play style and mismatched aging a lot? And are there things people can do to try to fix that?
2: Well... I mean, there's, I listen, there's a number of things. I mean, I think the awareness in general, both on our side and on the shelter side or the rescue side, to not let that happen in the first place, I think is important. I mean, I, I, it's just a bad match.
1: Yeah, this was a rescue off the street, All right, Somebody in the neighborhood found him and you know she thought she was doing the right thing by taking him in because the finder said they were going to take him to the shelter and yeah I, told him I said i said well you know if he'd have taken him to the shelter he would have been neutered and returned to where they found him and probably got back to his home but <laughs> right <laughs> i mean i
2: i think what you're saying is totally valid that we keep them separate and site swap um make sure everybody has access to the house but not all the time together. Uh, I think that that's, I I think many people see that as a failure and I don't necessarily agree. Um, It depends on your household and what you want to happen and what your expectations as the guardian is in the first place. Um, If you see it as a failure, then we have another discussion to have. Um, I even do separation in this house, not with cats, but we have to rotate. We have two very large dogs and one who while still a little unpredictable with cats also is 15 years old and has dementia. And so she just, you know, so we have to do some switching because that's what we have to do in a more long-term. here's a story without, I'm trying to keep this as generic as possible to keep my, my client safe, but I, I I'm working on it a, on a, on a, with a client right now. She is close to 80 years old. It was not a good placement. She doesn't have any other cats in the house, but she adopted. At that point, he was about six to eight months old. And as he's gotten more into teenage, he is totally unmanageable for someone like her. Totally. I mean, he and it's nothing with aggression. He's just all over everything. And he just wants to climb and he wants to play and he needs to move around at all times. And and she can't. She's physically compromised. She deals with chronic pain. Um, and you get to that moment where you go, it is not a failure to redefine this relation That you are not at this point, or you should perceive yourself at this point, not as, a, as his guardian, but as his long-term foster parent, where we just got to find him another home that fits him because it's the greater good. she feels terrible because she can't give him what he wants he needs things that he can't get and um i mean that's more specific than what you were dealing with but yeah that is always a thing where as long as you don't bring him to the to the shelter and just overload them but use them as a resource and or local rescues as a resource try to adopt him into a home that you know he will thrive in Mm -hmm. this particular cat would do great with with kids he would do great with other cats we know that he just needs way too much stimulation than she can handle now in your case that you're dealing with it it's the same but different right because like you said it's about managing and redefining expectations yeah uh if you're looking for a perfect home with a two-year-old and a 19 year old by and large you're sadly mistaken
1: exactly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. you
2: know i mean and the other, <laughs> the other aspect of it that you didn't say is is that usually i would say okay even with a nine-year-old 10-year-old whatever i mean if they were in good health they can still teach him a lesson they can just still say this is when you go too far whack mm-hmm. this is and and he learns and he goes okay how far can i push this with a 19 year old they're not going to fight back yeah no you know? yeah. um and it just becomes a constant source of stress and they'll manifest physical illness a lot quicker than they would have so but it does come down to that bigger question that you and i and people like us have to deal with which is are we going to see that as a failure you know Mm -hmm. I, i think one of the things that was a drawback to doing that show for 10 years is that i think i fell into the trap and and obviously audience as well that every case is going to wind up with a red bow on it. And that's that. And where I did work as hard as I possibly could, there were times, and we were truthful on the show, where we said, this is not fair to anybody in this home to keep trying to push the round cat into the square hole, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, And then you have to, so what? So so you're going for the separation at this point?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't. And they're moving into a new house, a bigger house, which will help. I mean, their house is pretty big now, but they're moving into a bigger house where the space separation is going to be good. Like each the older pair will have two thousand square feet, and the young boy will have about two thousand square feet. And there's
2: really,
1: yeah, good place for a a gate that they can put to to keep them from from actually having any contact. So I think it's gonna be fine.
2: And then there's the other like pushy part of all of us sort of rescue workers. We're like, oh, well then we can get another cat, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, I mean, he could use someone his own age or younger.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's possible. that's absolutely possible. Your client's are like,
2: oh, my God, did he really say right?
1: that? Right. He's trying to shove another cat on me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we'll let them wait till their 19-year-old passes and then uh, totally. and then maybe look at that. Because I, I don't think the husband would go for that right now. <laughs> yeah, probably not. No. So are people um, able to hire you for consults now? Are you doing?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my schedule is a little crazy so i think if, if the expectation is there that i can do it next week i can't but um but on my website there's a link uh where people can sign up yeah
1: good. good that's good that's good and then youtube how else can people find you these days
2: that i mean i think we're doing our best to address all of the sort of generalities of life in in youtube um I think we've got close to 400 videos now that, that really run the gamut. Um, I feel like I've done everything I can do to, to, to give the wider resources there. I think between YouTube and, and the books, uh, that we that we've published. And, uh, uh, I, I feel like we've done a lot that way. So uh, yeah, YouTube has been great. I mean, the community that we built there is pretty tremendous. Um, and uh, and supportive. We don't get any of those YouTube trolls that, that want to say nasty things about cats. Well, now I put the idea out there. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it, there's plenty of great people there. And the, the community's growing, not just with me, but because YouTube gives you a much more direct plug into the global community. Uh, because anybody, you, you got a phone, watch YouTube. Uh, you get this beautiful sort of global sense of of what's going on. And we're also, you know, uh, Cat Camp had to take a a, kind of a hiatus. I mean, we were doing Cat Camp every year, and we had just branched out into doing other locations with it. And then the pandemic hit, and we had to go um, virtual for a little while. Then we took a break. And um, all of that was just reminding me of the global community because bringing everybody in to celebrate was wonderful and now we're going to go back and start doing that live again um next year and the live tour that got scuttled uh at the at the end of 2020 that's being um rescheduled for next year as well
1: oh good are you going to be at global pet expo this year 23.
2: don't know uh I don't know. If I'm summoned, I will go. Yeah. I, don't, I never know. I, uh, but yeah, if I, I'm, I, I don't know otherwise. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, let me know. I'm going to try to go this year. So uh, let me know if you're there.
2: We'll- yeah. I mean, I, who knows? I mean, the thing that I'm going to be doing a lot of is um, greater good charities and Jack's galaxy project work. And as much as I can cram in during the year, because it helps us sort of, plant some feet into some of the things that we're thinking about for the future. So, plus we've been doing these amazing great fix, uh, good fix programs, which are huge spay neuter athons um, that are happening in right now. We've been concentrating on the Hawaiian islands and the immense need to spay and neuter, especially um, community cats, but also people's, I mean, just, an enormous amount of cats, but the work that's being done, it's so inspiring because um, the work that's being done by the vets who run this and the techs who run this, bringing in vets and techs from all over the country who volunteer their time, coming in there and just going to work. And we were just uh, in Oahu last month uh, and in four days Spader neutered uh, about it was 2,000 cats and and uh, now we're going to go to Maui uh, coming up. And there's uh, the John R. Peterson Foundation who is funding most of this, contributing about three to five years of support on each island. Nice. So the work that we do continues, but it's great work. Anyway, I got totally off topic. I forgot what we were talking about, but
1: yeah, that no, really is great. Great Having gone there and and seen their problem and, and the, you know, I mean, I, A bunch of reproducing cats on an island can be devastating to other wildlife, obviously, yeah, and and a real problem. And the last thing you want is them, you know, putting putting cats on that list, on that invasive species list, because which is done, right? It's
2: such a drag, man. And 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 I will say this: that is my. I mean, I mean, of course, cats at that scale will do damage. That's for sure. But they are also vilified in a way that the numbers don't support. Right, um, And, and uh, on one of the islands we were on, there was just such ingrained bias that listening to the actual science behind it wasn't being heard. So it's really important that we get a handle on it. And that that's just a microcosm, by the way, we see it happening everywhere. Yeah. I mean, thanks to a couple of studies that, that, from what I know, is we're completely flawed. Um, We're we're seeing, and Australia is a perfect example, we're seeing cats exterminated uh, because of the perception of what they do as opposed to the reality. I'm all for what Australia has said otherwise, which is just keep your cats indoors. Mm -hmm. We're fine. Just don't let them free roam. Okay, that's a great compromise as far as I'm concerned. That you should keep your cats indoors. If you feel bad about it, do what we did and and build a catio. Build a catio. Do something. You know, yes. take them out on harnesses. Learn to compromise with the wildlife and and the people who, like us who love the wildlife, who love the birds. Um, there are compromises to be had, but we have to act quickly so that, I mean, Oahu, conservatively, the guesses are between two and three hundred thousand uh, free roaming cats on that one island wow so the time is now you know
1: yeah wow yeah that's a lot it's a lot and everybody should have a catio <laughs> you
2: everybody. know if you own a home you yeah. should you should have a catio right. I'm not. you have to make it super i'm pointing we live in a 1400 square uh, square foot house and an 800 foot catio because right. you know <laughs> the need is there but um But anything anything that helps to expand the footprint of your home especially if you have multiple cats is just yes and and it's been made easy there's prefab kits there's people in certain places who kind of do it for a living Mm -hmm. um we've given plenty of resources um yeah do it
1: yeah i know we're 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 trying to build a new home and I think i have four cadios designed <laughs> to there you go <laughs> so,
2: amazing so you
1: can have lots of options right i know you'll do
2: it too oh so. yeah i
1: will <laughs> and then <laughs> i want to organize a catio tour you know like they do a, a in garden portland. Tours in portland?
2: did they do it in they portland did. is that where it was or seattle i can't remember which where it's just this walking tour of cadios and uh Man, that's great. It, it was wonderful, too. Yeah. We did a video that was we had asked for a call out from people to, just to show us their cadios, and we did a video on it. it. was gorgeous. I mean, some people and again, when I say gorgeous, I mean the idea being gorgeous, too, that I don't care if it's like chicken wire in a box, killer, you know, exactly. Do it.
1: yeah. Cause cats do like to be outside, you know, where they can smell the air and see the birds fly and the mice run mm. around and all of that kind of stuff. They love that. But yeah, I I, I love cattios. We we have a great big one too, and and Dewey's gone out there and built these overhead catwalk for him and all these climbing things and beautiful carpeted a big pole so he can just climb all the way to. Oh the my top. God! You did better
2: than we did, man. We just put the put the stuff around and let them go at it. but um, yeah there's so many people out there and they're you know on social media too where you get the ideas from them like oh my God, look at what they did here. I mean we got the idea and we're still buying the plant life but of planting you know the edibles for them and the catnip and the cat mint and 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 what each one of these herbs can do for your cats and of course which ones to avoid. And the way they hung them and the way they planted them. And we get inspiration from each other, which is beautiful.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Anything else you want to tell everybody before we wrap up?
2: I, you know, I, I, uh, one thing that I think is important, well, there are a few things embrace TNR. You guys, if you don't know what TNR is and you don't really have a a hold on what um, community cats are and their benefit to your. To your area, please look into it. There are organizations in just about every municipality now dedicated to the well-being of these community cats. So get involved one way or the other. Um, the only other thing I would say also is, uh, you might hear from both me and from Molly about sometimes about how hard it might be to integrate uh, cats to other cats. We both have lots of resources on that, and and I believe anyway for the most part. Cats should have other cats in the house. Um, so don't be scared. We're here to help you. If you have any problems whatsoever, there there are good ways to just do it right in the first place. But think about bringing another cat in your life.
1: I, I like that. I'm going to go get Dewey. You can say it again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right on.
1: We've had a constant stream of fosters for Pico, and it's been wonderful. He he absolutely loves it and he just loves yeah. everybody to play with and he's a good he's a good teacher he's a good teacher good
2: to have one of those
1: yeah friends of mine in, in Dallas had adopted a kitten um that had been at the shelter had been sick gone into a foster home with no other kittens or cats and I was really worried because when we go and we stay with them sometimes with with Pico and I thought oh solo kitten the unseen other cats this This could be scary and ugly for him. Then one day they were, you know, they were running around and playing. Oh, that's great. And then chasing each other back. They, they just had a ball. So yes. You have to ask my
2: guys. I mean, I'm sure they've had fosters they've loved and fosters they'd rather would not be here, but, uh, you know, you can't love everybody, you know, but we, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy couple of years with fosters, but, uh, but it's a great experience, especially, you know, my best feeling is when you take the ones that especially kittens who come to you completely shut down yeah, and show them a, a world that is inviting and one where they can bloom a little bit. And then they start to do it. And you're like, oh my God, this is the best work ever. You know, yeah.
1: well, I had one that had come in the shelter at eight weeks. It was kind of little on the young side to be returned into the field, but they were really unsocial kittens. They were probably nine, maybe nine, 10 weeks when they came in the shelter. And so he sat, we, we worked with him in the b program. So he got a little bit better, but he, he wasn't really quite there. And and I brought him home. So, well, I'm, I'm just gonna bring him home and, and get him past that point. And I realized some things that were really sad. Like he didn't know how to jump up on things. You know, Harry was, he'd been in the shelter three months, two and a half, three months. So Harry is now a four month old kitten who'd never jumped up in his life. And I was just so heartbroken. And so, of course, he got lots of jumping and lots of climbing <laughs> and, yeah. and the racing around and playing. And yes, it was it was totally fun to, to see him yeah. jump up into my lap for the first time while I was at my computer. And I was like, ah, that's awesome. Not only is he jumping, but into my lap and curling up and purring is
2: Yeah, and you know, there, there was this, this couple and these are the two who actually started this journey for me of writing this book because they were hard work, but th- this th- they were littermates. One, we knew, would come forward and do her thing and definitely non-trusting at first, but you know you can work with her. And the other, totally shut down. Like, you know, they were sharing space in the bathroom for a bit while they got acclimated and she was just back. She was back on a shelf. She was hidden as much as she could be. And even though we didn't get her to the exact right place, and we kept passing her from foster to foster, by the way, and I would work with her remotely just to get them more of a range of experience. And we found the perfect home for these two. And I swear to you, I get pictures. We, she loves to send pictures. And they are home. And they are happy. And they are interacting in a way that they never would have done. But we set the table for it. Yeah. And man, I mean, it is just the best feeling when you get those pictures, just yeah. the best feeling.
1: It, yeah. it, that is so much fun. Yeah, And so that's the other thing. Build a catio, get another cat if you only have one, and foster. Foster. <laughs> foster foster. local shelters, they need you.
2: <laughs> yeah, listen, you guys, I mean, I would say this, like if you're in a position where the, the, the lifetime commitment is something that makes you nervous, fostering rocks and uh, you'll get a lot of support from whichever org that you work with and you get that feeling of of having somebody around and anybody you you know as well as i do that that the foster numbers during the pandemic just went through the roof and that's because we wanted that feeling of being a part of this you know getting cats out of the shelter and the benefit that everybody got from it not just by i got somebody with me but also that feeling of, oh, my God, it feels good to see someone go into the perfect home. And I helped do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Ah, beautiful.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for being with us today. I love no, catching up with you. I, we could talk for hours, of course, about, <laughs> about cats and shelters and cat business. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to catch up in person again sometime soon.
0: Yeah. All Amen right. to
1: that. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. We we love to see you. And until next time, keep calm and purr on.
0: You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.